this looks nice. Oh, thank you. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. This looks like an interesting place to visit. I can't walk past a yarn shop. Rona, is it? Yeah, that's right. Oh, good to see you. Yes, yeah, someone said you might be popping round. Good. Well, having a bit of a morning out, getting some shopping in. And um, like I say, I saw that this yarn shop was here. I love yarn shops. They're the best thing. I'll go mad for the yarn. But also, you always get interesting people to chat to, find out things from yarn shop. Yeah, that's true. They do tend to be sort of centres of the knitting community. Well, you end up talking to people, complete strangers quite often, you know. Mm -hmm. Just getting into a chat about, oh, that's an interesting yarn and what are you going to make? Just with random people. And that's, that's something quite nice, really. What drew you in here today? Well, your window display is gorgeous. So that was a good start. And I heard that you have quite a lot of interesting yarns and maybe slightly unusual ones that you don't get in every yarn shop. So I wanted to have a bit of a look at that, really. See what interesting things I could find. What do you think of the look of the place? Oh, I love it. I love the fact that everywhere there is a yarn on every on every wall. I just love that. I like the fact that you've got all those colourful skeins hanging down over there because that's skeins of um, hand dyed and lace weight and things like that are always going to catch my eye. But I've also spotted your mini skein corner. Which ah, yes. I'm going to dive into. I've got a bit of a mini skein obsession, I'm afraid. Well, do you like how I've put them in kind of like a tree shape? Oh, I do. I do like that a lot, actually. That's really interesting. And I like the fact that you've got all the solids together and all the speckles together and things like that. But I'm, I might have to have a bit of a play and see what works with what. So I'm actually working on a mini scheme project at the moment. Oh, are you? Yeah, I'm a designer and I'm writing a book about using mini schemes. Oh, what's the working title? Uh, the working title is Mini Scheme Magic. That does sound lovely. Is it just going to be a lot of different patterns? It's going to be patterns that you can make where you use no more than probably 40 to 45 grams of any one colour. So it's the sort of thing where you might use two mini skeins of one colour and one of another, and then another, and you can kind of mix and match. So they're all projects like that. Three different mini skeins can turn into a hat or a pair of bits, things like that. So I'm having a lot of fun making more than one sample for quite a few of the projects. So you can see how you might do it in a couple of solid mini schemes or getting a speckle into it as the contrast colour and things like that. Every time I see mini schemes, I get another idea. <laughs> I've had a lot of fun with it. I really think it's actually mini scheme madness rather than mini scheme magic, though. I mean, that would also be quite a catchy name for the book as yeah. well. But they are great because they're a great way of trying out colours or a different yarn that you haven't used before. So just getting a couple and trying something out is really, really fun. Yes, that's true. And then also if you're doing colour work as well, there's a few bits where I'm, where I'm doing some colour work, but I just want like a big, like, well not a big, like a little colour pop. If you buy like a full skein and then you're just like, oh, I only really wanted this for like a tiny little colour pop. I'm only going to use a third of this skein. And then you have to sort of find other uses for the rest of the yarn. Yeah, that's the thing. So you've got that where you can get the mini skein to do that. But also, if you've done that, some of these patterns that use smaller amounts of yarn are great because you can use up the rest of that skein in something else. I've got this really neat little ball of yarn. What am I going to do with it? Would you think about putting in like a mini skein jumper, like a patchwork jumper or something? I haven't for this one, but I do have three wraps and shawls. So it is amazing what you can do by adding more and more mini skeins to get volume, adding different colours in and doing fades or stripes. I'm not doing a garment for this one, but who knows what might happen afterwards. With me, anything can happen, really, if I get an idea. I must admit, I'm getting slightly distracted by that selection of lace weights over there as well. There is a bronze lace weight that 
is screaming for attention, I think. Oh, let's go take a look. Yes, I do. I've got very into sort of bronzes and tawnies and so on. And sometimes you see with lace weight, a shawl comes out of just seeing a beautiful scheme. Poke about here and see what inspires me. So I think this was the one you were looking at. It's I, I particularly like this one because it's very cleverly put together, almost like a tweed yarn, but it's not quite a true tweed. But you can see it's got mostly merino and it's very thin, single ply. But you can kind of see those flecks there. That's raw silk. Oh, lovely. Yes. Now that, that makes for some really interesting effects. I like that a lot. I think I could have a bit of fun with that one, I think. But also in there, there's kind of a more coppery colour and you can kind of see how it's catching the shine off it. Yeah, well, I, I just love things like that where you get a little bit of shine, just a little bit of unusual texture in it. It adds to the overall effect and sometimes it really tells you what you want to do with the yarn as well. So that one, I think I am going to have to get that one and have a little swatch. A nice semicircular radial shawl, actually. Well, something I've seen a lady do with it is they did like a DK shawl that was sort of reasonably sort of plain. It was mulled, I think, with a different colour. And then the edge did quite a big lace edge and it did catch the light in a really beautiful way. Yeah, it's things like that. I'm thinking maybe a semicircular with a a very wide lace band so you'll get the effect of it being a solid with the little flex through the lace as well i'll have to get my sketch pen out when i get home have you seen this little alpaca one as well Ooh. now how much alpaca is in that because i'm i'm a bit funny about alpaca i love the effect but it does make me sneeze if it's 100 percent alpaca while i'm knitting it i think this one is in the region of 80 percent alpaca so that would be quite a lot it would be quite a lot for me. It's tempting, but I'm just it's just one of those things. I love the feel of it. There's something about the fibres that just make me sneeze slightly. There's, you've got some BFL ones over there, BFL silk mixes, which I might go and have a look at those. Yes, let's have a little look at them. Because I do like the sheen that you get with um, Blue Face Leicester and silk. It's just a lovely finish. It's almost like it's in soft focus, isn't it? It's just something really nice in the way it takes colour. Mm. You do have some purples. So we've got a few gradient purples here. Oh, now I do like a gradient purple. It's quite inky at one end. Yes. So we've got this one here on one end. This is such a deep purple, it's almost indigo. Yeah, I really like that. I really like the depth of that and how it fades through and it's almost pinkish at the other. Now, that would be really nice to play with. I'm not going to get out of here anytime soon, am I? <laughs> we've got you now, Brona. If we have a, just back on the mini skeins for a second, we've got gradient collections as well of mini skeins where there's like maybe five or six and they're all slightly varying shades. Oh, that's nice. I have a couple of um, patterns for exactly that, to be honest, I'm working on. And I'm going to spend hours because I'll be going, well, do I like the gradient you've got or am I going to make one up from the other ones hanging on the thing? Gradients are so lovely to play with. They really are. I agree. Like, I absolutely love gradient colours. My favourite thing is when you've got a gradient, but it's across like a geometric pattern. Yeah, it's, it's just so interesting and so exciting to see how the colours go and so on. I can just sit with like a pile of these and think, oh, what, what way to go? Do you go dark to light? She's your rainbow fade, your all these wonderful gradients. It's it's just lovely to see. It really is. It's quite exciting, really. Well, I've got the set I've got. It's like it's sort of a deep violety fuchsia, and then it kind of goes up through the fuchsias and into the pastel lilacs. Right. Well, we'll have to have a look at that as well. Do you have a basket? 
I do have a basket. So I do seem to be holding quite a lot of yarn at the moment. Okay. Here we go. Thank you very much. That's that's going to be a lot easier now. Because now I can look at other things and not, not be afraid of dropping everything. Did you want to have a look at some of the natural dyed yarns? Oh, yes. And what sorts have you got? Well, we've got some of the Milson in, some Eden Cottage yarns in as well. I am a bit of an Eden Cottage addict. I saw them at a show and they just, the colours are so subtle on a lot of the yarns. Yes, it is beautiful, isn't it? I've, I've made a few sweaters in some of their mixes and some of the, the subtler colours. Oh, they are gorgeous. Oh, God, there's just so many gorgeous colours on there. <laughs> yeah, so I've got the Titus lace in. Oh, yes. There's another lovely one. Have you got any of their four-ply? Yes. Shall we go to the four-ply section? Why not? Why not? If I remember rightly, they do a four-ply in like a... It's almost like a pale minty blue. Does that make sense? I'm quite uh, sure it's leave top in that for a while. Is that the Winter Garden colourway? No, it's not the Winter Garden. I think you might like the Winter Garden colourway, though. Well, let's have a look at that. It's quite subtle, isn't it? Yes, it's mostly... When you said minty, it kind of brings that thought to my mind because there's green in it and there's purple in it and there's white. And for some reason, all those colours feel like mint to me. Yeah, I know what you mean. That's nice. Yeah. Well, that might work quite well. I just want something not too bright, but a bit interesting for a sweater for myself. Not not that I make much for myself these days. Somehow I'm not making a lot of sweaters for me right now. But I could I could have something to aspire to, myself a little treat. Yes. I mean, it's important. I do genuinely think it's really important as a knitter to make yourself items as well. A surprising amount of people sort of feel that it's really selfish to make yourself something, but it's just... No, it's about just part of part of the experience and part of the reason I write patterns is because I think there's there's three elements to the sort of whole knitting experience. And one is just the joy of buying yarn and falling in love with colours and so on. Then there is the pleasure we get from actually making something. But there's a third pleasure which is actually enjoying the thing you've made. So it's really good to make something for yourself and feel really in love with the garment or the shawl or the hat or whatever it is and just feel all those levels of pleasure you get right from buying the skein of yarn. Yeah. Well, something, if you're looking for mints, I've got a few greens. Ooh, so, yeah, I've got the Eden Cottage Brimham in green tea. I've got the Keld Fingering in sage. I've also got it in Misty Woods and I've got it in this one, which is Buttercup, which is kind of a mix between green and going into like a lighter yellowy green. Yeah, well, that green tea one was catching my eye, I think. That might be, might make just a nice little summer sweater. It's a very soft green. I've, I, it's, I do very much like it. Can't really do bright greens, but a lovely soft green. And it feels quite spring-like. I've got this sort of kind of heading more into blue i've got the rosedale in robin egg but that's kind of fringing green yeah i'm trying really hard to buy other things but blue and purple at the moment so i'm i'm, I'm edging more towards the green tea and yes yeah if i if i went for my natural instincts i'd only ever buy blue and purple and that's kind of limiting in life really everything would always match though yeah, but I do have I do have a really extensive blue and purple stash as well. Never never knowingly without a yarn. And then did you spot all the Eden Cottage mini skeins as well on the tree? Yes, I know. I know. 
I can't actually buy your whole stock of mini skeins. I, I, I feel I ought, to, I ought to stop at some point, but I'm very tempted by those as well. But I think I think I figured out a couple of sets of mini skeins that I'll go for there because I've seen a couple of variegated that would work nice with one of the neutral solids you've got on the other part. So I think I might. There's a hat. I have a fair isle hat, and I think those might work really nicely in with the background of the hat is a neutral, and you use variegated with the rib and the um, colour work section. Oh, I love that. I love that so much when you've got a colour work section where there's a fade across the, or a variegated yeah. across the colour work. I do think that's so beautiful. Yeah, I, I've seen a couple there with sort of, well, not quite purple, more maroon tones in. That might, that might work. That one's a bit darker than the other. So I'm going to go with those. And I might, I might go for some of the um, solids as well to do something nice and simple stripes as well yeah this basket's getting quite full is there anywhere we can sit down oh yes of course there's if you head on through the pattern den um there's a nice sofa there oh lovely i can have a look at look at your you've got a great book wall as well in here oh yeah would you would you like a cup of tea as well i'd love a cup of tea oh that would be fantastic this is getting better and better i've got yarn a sofa tea i might never leave <laughs> What tea would you like? Um, do you have Earl Grey? Yes, we've I'm got very, a couple. I'm very easy to cater for. No milk, no sugar, just tea. Oh, really? Wow, fair play. I'll see what, I think we've got a couple of Earl Greys here. Would be delicious. Uh, yeah, I've got the Joe's Tea Company Earl Grey. That's a good one. Lovely. You're very spoiled. I'm definitely coming here again. Oh, thank you. I've got some biscuits I made as well yesterday. Do you fancy any? Oh, thank you. Yes. Why not? There you go. Toffee shortbread. Oh, yes. Where do you get time to book and to bake and do a, a, a yarn, have a whole yarn shop as well? Very impressive. Thank you. I've got a bit of a thing where I, I like to make, like bake my own confectionery because it just, it makes me feel like as if I've earned it. That's a nice idea. Yeah. But also I just like the back of the packet of some ingredients list sometimes. I'm just like, why is there all this stuff in it? Yeah. Something nice, something nice and home baked. Yeah, and carrot muffins are my current one. Oh, really? Yeah, it's just I always end up with too many carrots. I don't know whether you know when when you get a veg box delivered or even if you just go down the supermarket, carrots seem to come in large quantities. So, yeah. so carrot muffins are great, and you can freeze them. Yeah, you can make them as spicy as you want. So that's all good for me. Later on, I'm going to be making a pear cake. We got a load of pears and I found that they were all wet. And you know what it's like when a veg is wet, you've got to like cook it quickly, otherwise yes. it'll go off. Pear cake's the answer. Yeah. And I've got one of those tray bake trays as well. So I'm going to line all the pears on the bottom and put the cake mix on the top and it'll be, I think that'll be really nice. Oh, yummy. If you came a day later, that would be the... Yeah, tomorrow pear cake. What do you make of the sofa? Oh, this is very comfy. Very comfy. And it's such a lovely bright yellow colour as well. I really, that really, it's really cheery. This is such a nice, and you could have just a ch sit here and have a chat with somebody. It's a really good addition to the shop, I think. Do you do a knit and natter group? Yes, we do. Every other Thursday. Excellent. What sort of time? Because I might pop in for that. But it starts at around 6pm and goes on till sort of 9-ish, 8.30ish, 9-ish, depending on the numbers. Lovely. Very much a breeze through, so you don't need to be here at like six o'clock. If you pop in and leave whenever suits you, that's that's absolutely fine. That sounds like a good idea. And there's tea and there's cake. 
Excellent. I'm quite new to the area, so that's a great way to meet people as well. Yeah, so we do have some lovely people come through as well. Is it, is it something you're interested in coming to? I think so. I think I'd like to come along to that. Are any of the pattern books speaking to you? There's a couple of interesting um, sort of technical ones. There's one about like, yoked sweaters. For me, I always get interested in how people shape things and design things. I'm very interested in the construction of knitting. You've got a Japanese stitch dictionary that I don't think I own as well. So I'll have to have a look at that in a minute. Oh, yeah, I do swear by that one. It's a very, it's a really good one. I've, I've got a couple of smaller ones, but that looks like the big complete one that I've been on the lookout for. So I'll have to see. You can get really drawn into those and how they mix patterns and so on. It's really fascinating. Yeah, it's the big 250 stitch Bible. That's the one. That's the one I've been on the lookout for. So I, will, I could get lost in that for days, trying out different stitch combinations. Learning the symbols for the Japanese is quite fun because they, they use different symbols than we use in the West. Because some of them are very, yes, the word's graphic in that they do more of a where the loop of the stitch goes, where in the West we tend to have a line for the direction of the stitch. Some of the Japanese symbols literally show you the loop of the stitch and what direction it's sitting in. So they're quite interesting to look at as well, to translate what they're what the patterns are telling you to do. Oh, that's really, yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't noticed the difference because I'll admit the first lace book i ever got was actually this one ah so you you've come you've come into lace charts from the japanese side yes so i'd never i'd not really because the I, because i find pattern reading quite difficult i don't really look at patterns that often so i've not really i've not really registered the difference between the western symbols and japanese symbols yeah but i have to say i do find this book really easy to navigate because the symbols do make a lot of sense yes they, they definitely do i just find it such an inspiring book just sitting here flicking through it and looking at the different ways the patterns are built up and the different things they're, and using lots of cables and lace together and things like that the thing i really like about this book is that it's like split into different sections so there's like lace with leaves scallops and so on but what it does really well is you have the different chapters and then you'll have like a chapter on pattern arrangement. That's I think that's really clever about that book. When you're looking at it here, you can see and it gives you more ideas because you can start thinking, well, what if I instead of that leaf, I use that leaf and that cable? What would happen then? Hours of fun to be had just playing about with swatches and yeah. seeing what, what happens. The genius thing about it is how it manages to convey all that without many words. Yeah, I think um, one of the classes I sometimes teach is how to read charts, because I think people are can be a wee bit scared of charts, but actually they're really, can be really helpful in picturing what's going on with your knitting. Yeah, I'm a big fan of charts, to be honest, for that reason. If I do get a pattern, very rarely I'll read the actual pattern. I mean, I'll give it a go. I will normally, I'll look at the chart and be like, hmm, okay, cool. Yeah. So it really, you know, that kind of thing of just showing you what it's got. It's, it's almost like a picture of what it's going to turn out like. So I'm I'm a big um, enthusiast, but I know people can be a bit nervous of them. It's just another way to help with your knitting. I love a knitting schematic as well. Yes. Anything, anything that gives you extra information without many words is really quite useful. And then I've also got the alternate book as well, if you're interested. Oh, I already have that one. I got that one recently. That's really interesting as well. It's sitting there as my next one to try things from. It's a really good book. I've really enjoyed it. I like the idea of taking different approaches to things. And that's 
that's really there's really some very clever stuff in there mm. and sort of adapting your color work to different yeah. shapes yeah i used to be really quite nervous about color work oh really i did it years ago and i wasn't nervous and then i stopped doing color work and then i think there was a thing for a while where everybody talked about oh color work it's really difficult and you've got to learn these techniques and this is scary and that's scary and i kind of got put off for a while and then i picked it up again and went no i really like this and one of the big differences for me was learning hold a yarn in each hand yes how do you find that uh, now i can do it. it took a bit of it took a bit of learning now i can do it it's brilliant it's made such a difference doing color work because i'm much more comfortable with my tension now but there's something about holding the yarn in each hand that stops it getting pulled so tight. But also, it doesn't tangle as much. That's the big benefit I can see to learning, to mastering that technique. I'm doing these socks at the moment and I'm doing them two together and their colour work. That's got a lot of potential for tangles. Oh my goodness, it's just like there's sometimes where I spend like an evening just untangling it. Yeah, I think I think that's one of the things. One of the first pieces of colour work, you could laugh for somebody who didn't do colour work for a long time. But way back, one of the first pieces of colour work I did was the Alice Starmore Donegal sweater, which is a really famous sweater. It was 12 or 14 different colours in it. Oh, wow. That's a and lot. Fair Isle spirals. And it's, it's utterly nuts. <laughs> Nobody told me it was nuts at the time. And my mum wanted it and bought me the orange. So I knit her this thing. And now if you go on the internet and look about this sweater, there's lots and lots of blogs from people going, I don't think I'll ever finish this sweater. This <laughs> sweater's too scary. But I really wish back then I'd known the two-hand technique. Yeah. It's a lot, lot easier. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I can, I can imagine just the, oh, dear. I, I had to have a like a little bit of a table with all the different colours lined up and it wound into small balls so I could find the right ones at the right time and things because it was just crazy, actually. That was probably the first fair aisle I ever knitted. But that, sometimes you've got to do that, though, just jump in. Yeah. Deep end. And you learn so much about something and so much about yourself, especially if you don't realise it's scary. Because sometimes I think people, we sort of respond to something that we think might be something rather than what it actually is. Yeah, I think that's it. When Because when I knitted this and it came to the sticking of the bits, I just did what she said in the book. And I mm. did exactly what she said. And it was only years later. So now I'm going to do this sticking thing. Well, hang on, I've done this before. <laughs> It's not scary. I know it works with this book. And she just said, well, you cut here. So I cut where she said. I will admit, I will concede, I do find steaking, the idea of steaking, absolutely terrifying. It's not so scary once you do it. But there's a good way to get into it is to look for a pattern for a fringe scarf. That You knit a scarf in the round with a steak. Ah. And then you cut, you've got, so you've got a wide steak that's maybe 20 or 30 stitches. And you cut through the middle of the steak and then you unravel the steak part on each side to make the fringe of your scarf. Oh, that's, that's a great way to steak for the first time because it doesn't really matter if you go slightly offline or anything because you'll still end up with your fringe and you can trim it. Yeah. But you, you're doing the action of taking the scissors to your knitting and it doesn't all fall apart instantly. That's, yeah. Thank you, actually. That might be my way into it. It's, it's a really good way. Hmm. Because I was thinking about trying it for this jumper project I've got next year, but I don't think the yarn is right for steaking. 
Or, I mean, I reckon you could probably steak most things, but it just depends on the level of preparation. But I think for a first-time steaker, the yarn I've got, I, I think, would be a bit of an ask. I've got to say, I have steaked wool acrylic mix. That sounds back, like a lot. This was back with the other Starmore book, and having knitted my mum her fancy jumper, I then couldn't afford the fancy yarn for the jumper I wanted out of the book. So I just bought what I could afford. Again, I didn't know that you weren't meant to steak acrylic. So I just did it and it worked. But it stayed together. Oh, that's good. That's good. I'm glad that happened because I, I heard like steak acrylic and I was just there like, but it's so slidey. It was amazing. It worked. It all, there was, must have been just enough wool in the mix to, to make it stick. If you don't know, you maybe aren't so scared to do these things. But I do imagine my, my poor self, if that had all fallen apart, that would have been a shock. Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh, you wanted a book on yokes, I remember. Yes. I've got the Kate Davies book here. Oh, that. Oh, she's, and she really explains things well as well. So, uh, yes. It always looks lovely, the pictures from Shetland that she takes. Yeah. So in this particular book, she's kind of exploring the yoke culture of the North Atlantic. Oh, that, that looks really interesting because I do like um, a book that tells you a bit about the history of the technique. Now, that looks like just the sort of thing I'm looking for. So there's a load of sort of essays and conversations in there as well. So there's a bit about the technical side with Elizabeth Zimmerman. I'm always interested in the history of techniques and how, how they develop. Quite interesting picking up old, old Victorian things too and how they explain them. Old Victorian knitting? Yes. Kate Davis, she's, she's just really good at explaining stuff. So I'll definitely take a look at that one. Yes, it also comes with 11 yoke patterns as well. Lovely. Lovely. So that's something to have a go at and experiment with as well. You, you can tell I can spend an awful lot of time knitting quite happily. Oh, yeah, that's completely understandable. Like sometimes when I get into it of an evening, I'm just looking to see if there's any more books. And then I've got the... Oh, I've got this Noro book as well. Knit Noro. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Let me have a look at that one as well. There's so much choice here. Yes, thank you. I think I think it's the Kate Davies for me. I think that's the one. Oh yes, it's a beautiful book. And as you said earlier, I also quite like the fact that it's not just a here's a book of patterns. It just makes it a little bit more interesting to get the history of the craft as well. Yeah, like a book I'm really into at the moment is the Clara Parks, the Book of Yarn. Yes. Well, that's lovely. Yeah, for me, I really like to understand the properties of the yarn and kind of what's going on in there. I have the big book of fibre as well. Great big book of fibre. I used to work in an office where there was a farming magazine down the other end. Oh, that's exciting. Sent this book about all the fibres that come from sheep and all the different types of sheep breeds and the fibres they produce. Of course, none of them, no, no use to any of them. And it sat on a shelf in this office for about six months. And eventually I went over and said, does anybody want that? I went home with this massive encyclopedia about all the different types of wool and how long the staples are and how they're spun and all of this. Really fascinating. I know a lot about carpet yarn as well now. Ah, the Big Book of Fibre. It's something like the Big Book of Fibre. It's a big encyclopedia just about all all the fibres that come from different breeds of sheep. Oh, wow. I'd be super interested in that. Trying to remember the proper name. I'll, I'll maybe think of it in a minute. Yeah, the thing I always want to understand is kind of like the properties that different fibres are going to give the piece that I'm knitting. So, for example, I know if I knit something with a bit of yak in it, yak will kind of increase the water resistance something is. Yes. I've remembered the name. I've remembered the name. The Fleece and Fibre Source Book. 
No, thank you very much. It's really, really interesting book. It's it's absolutely massive. It's a really big, fat, like an encyclopedia that would sit on your shelf. I may have to get one for the shop. I would recommend it. It's a really interesting book and it's very useful to people who aren't quite sure about sometimes what's what's in the yarn well one of the things i love i absolutely love is when the yarn tells you what sheep breed it is yes that's very useful and really interesting some of the the one farm yarns that have been around lately that's really interesting that you you meet people who can always tell you the name of the sheep yeah i mean first it is absolutely fascinating and then it's interesting to know the life that my yarn had before it became yarn. yes the knitting goddess did one last year or the year before. She's in Harrogate or in the Harrogate area. And the farm between the sheep, where she dyed the yarn, where the yarn was spun, all the different bits. I think the yarn travelled a total of 30 miles wow. up to the point it was sold, which I thought was really interesting. I just loved the idea of it. I knit, I had some of it and I knitted it into a hat and scarf. And then I went back to Harrogate last year and took it back to its home as such wearing it i've got some of the bfl and mashamim from the knitting goddess as well oh that's a lovely blend that really is mm, i do like a bit of mashem also it's a very touchable yarn that yeah it's just it's a it's a funny one like it's kind of got a softness of its own if that makes sense yes i think it does yeah something about it you think oh i really want to work with that i want the feel of it going through my hands yeah that's one of the most important things about picking a yarn is kind of how it feels going in your hands when you're working with it it's something that I'm kind of I do sort of feel very much for myself is sort of you know I'm going to be spending a long time with this pleasure thing I was talking about you've got to enjoy all the stages I I really want my yarn to make me feel good so that not just the color but feel of using it and so on it's that's all part or the benefit of knitting in a way. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I do find that's possibly one of the reasons why I've not yet got round to knitting with linen. It may be just something that never appeals to you. Yeah, like I like the idea of linen and knitting with linen and having like a linen top. But every time I've tried to knit with it, I just I'm like... Mm. It's, it's an odd feeling in your hands. It's, yeah. It's very, it feels very different. But yes, that masham. Mm, lovely stuff. Let me show you as well. Shall we? How are you doing with your tea? Um, I'm doing okay, thank you. I'm doing okay. Have you? Did you spot the onion yarns on the way in? No, I don't think I did. I'll go grab a ball for you. Yeah, these are quite interesting. They're sock yarns, but they don't have nylon in them. They've got nettle. Oh, that gives that gives the strength, does it? Yes. You may have to try one of those. Yeah, it's quite fascinating when it's put together as well because the nettle doesn't really take colour that well. So you've got this kind of really lovely mottled effect. Ah, that gives it. So it's almost like a moral, isn't it? Because you get the yeah. taste. Well, that's interesting. I'd have to make it, yeah. I'd have to try that and see how well they wear because the nettle should give it the strength. Yes. And I think as well for like a four ply sweater. Or like a fingering weight top like you know something you have close to your skin yeah i think that'd be quite a good shout because sometimes nylon can make something a bit sweaty yes so you need to be cautious about that as well definitely worth them um, exploring isn't it mm. hello hiya i have always i've knitted since i don't remember learning to knit to be honest but i remember knitting a sweater when i was a teenager and i've always sort of knitted since and then about, I don't know, 
seven or eight years ago, maybe as much as that, maybe a little less. I saw, I was playing about with ideas and I designed the odd thing for myself. And I saw a competition in Knitting Magazine, which was to design a vintage sweater. And I thought, well, I like vintage sweaters. I may as well have a go. And it had to be in a King Cole yarn, I think. And so I had to go and you had to do a swatch and a drawing and put it all together and explain about your sweater. So I sent this all off. And then they came back and said, right, okay, you're, you're through to stage two. Can you knit your sweater in a size 10? Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was a bit scary, actually, because I'd never designed a sweater and worked out sizing. I had to go and get look up lots of books and figure this all out. And I knit my sweater and then I sent it off. And a couple more months went by and I won the competition. Oh, Is that what sort of changed? Not only did I win the competition... But the magazine started commissioning me to do other things. Out of nowhere, I became a published designer. That's amazing. That was really, really an extraordinary experience. Because I had no intention of making this a major part of my life. And it kind of happened. And I realised that what, one of the things I really love doing is designing with yarn. That's an amazing story from what, what you were doing before. Was it like a quick overnight thing? Or... Uh, no, a whole bunch of things kind of happened over the next period in that there was a big restructuring at work. So I had the chance to take redundancy and go freelance. Just all sorts of things happened over about an 18 months period, which that, you know, and this became one of the strings to my bow. It was lovely that when redundancy came up, that I had other things that I could focus my energies on. So while I was trying to decide what I did next, I did have design projects on the go and was able to do that. So that was lovely as well. So it was a real benefit at that time. I guess it must have helped in not being fearful of the future as well, because you, you genuinely had something better to go on to. Yes. Redundancy is a hard thing to get your head around. But if you do have other things in your life and other projects and, you know, other opportunities... It does make it a lot easier to figure out what you do next. And then you've not looked back? I guess not. I guess not. It's very different. I'm doing lots of things now to do with yarn. As a freelance writer, I write mainly about yarn and knitting and crafts now. Occasionally about jewellery as well. Oh, that's lovely. Is it sort of knitted jewellery? Oh, jewellery in general. When I was sort of building up what I'm doing now, I worked for the London Jewellery School for a while. So I learned a lot about jewellery in a short period of time. Because one of the things with the job was I got to go on every single course they taught. That's amazing. That was that was really extraordinary. I learned silversmithing. I learned about wax carving. I learned about resin. I learned about beads. Developed a bit of a bead addiction. Do you knit with beads? Sometimes, but I'm actually, I've got an idea at the moment for a lace witch shawl that has a line of beads in it. It's always deciding what the best way to add the beads is. There are two or three techniques. Playing about with swatches at the moment and trying to work out what looks best. Is that something you're sort of planning a pattern for or is it very early stages? It's very early stages with that one, to be honest. I've just got some beads and some yarn sitting there and I think they might work well together. But I'm just not 100% sure how it's going to come out yet. So what got you into knitting? Like I say, I don't remember learning. Everybody in my family makes and does multiple crafts so I can remember my auntie and my granny making socks when I was little I mean I didn't really understand how quick socks were to make because to me they always seem to be knitting the same socks <laughs> but um, that's become you know with a farm in the background my grandfather for example you know would get through a lot of socks 
So my granny would buy a lot of the same colour sock yarn and just knit a standard standard sock after standard sock. So if one did end up in the manure pile, well, he had another sock he could take out of the drawer and replace it with. So that was sort of her approach. And then, um, like I say, I've always enjoyed it and it's a great creative outlet, but it's also something I knit also for health reasons. I find it very helpful for pain management, but also for stress and anxiety management. I had a serious back injury and my back can be a bit difficult and it affects my shoulder. I find if I can sit in a comfortable chair and knit for a while, I can kind of get that under control. And equally, if I'm very stressed and I find somewhere quiet, get something on my headphones and my knitting out, I can generally calm myself down. Oh, that's interesting. So it's kind of almost a therapy for you. Yeah, I have even knitted at the dentist. (laughs) That's fair enough. I have quite extreme anxiety about dentists and can be quite difficult to get me through the door and I had to have some gum surgery and it's all a bit difficult and I was finding it very hard to sit still in the in the chair in one of the appointments and this was taking a very long time so I said right for the second part of the appointment I just cast on some stitches in the round and we tried it and my dentist was up for this because he was getting fed up with me closing my mouth the whole time and literally I just knitted blind in the round knit stitch after knit stitch and it literally meant I could sit still in the chair and he could get the stitches in my gun. It's bizarre but it worked. Oh well it makes it makes sense because knitting is wonderfully centering. Yes so it was just concentrate and literally concentrate on the action of making each stitch. So Mm. I think for all sorts of reasons I guess. Yeah I mean there has been shown a link between how knitting can help with mental health. Yeah it might be Bristol I'm trying to think. I'm Reading University has been involved as well. But there's an amazing lady called Betson Corkill who's done lots of research into this. And she says even the act of choosing the colour of your yarn can have a benefit. Hmm. So there you are. Yarn shops are therapeutic. <laughs> I do feel, I remember there used to be a wonderful local yarn shop near me. Do you know Mrs Moons? Yes. She used to have a yarn shop in St Margaret's. Ah, right. And I used to love that place so much it was such a lovely yarn shop it was the most welcoming and then also mrs moon's yarns are very there's something about them they're quite squashy yeah i always remember because they used to have like a chest and like a display and it was the sky big alpaca yeah and i have fond memories of going in there and just looking at all the colors and like squishing them there's something just lovely about it it just makes you feel better doesn't it yeah it really does here now just looking at all this yarn i'm i'm feeling i'm feeling really good but to be honest now i finished my tea i should really figure out how much i put in my basket oh yes would you like me to ring you up i think probably you should before i buy anything else yeah let's head over We'll swing by the notice board and I'll get that flyer for you. Oh, yes. Thank you. Oh, are you interested in any of the tutorials? Um, I'd be more interested in asking if you need anybody else to teach tutorials. Oh, always open to the idea of new teachers. Oh, good. Because I, I try and do slightly less common classes, like teaching people how to read their knitting and reversible textures and things like that. Great fun classes. Oh, well, we don't have anything really on reversible textures and a knit, a how to read knitting class is always great. I think a lot of us start knitting and then there's a lot of extra tips you can pick up. Like, you know, it's quite frightening at first when you put your knitting down and try and figure out where you are. 
and it's not something you maybe learn in your first knitting class, but learning to just look at your knitting and what it's telling you can be a really big help and also help you fix mistakes. Yes. The day I figured out how to pick up a drop stitch. Life changed it. Yeah. Yeah. Before then, I just used to live with it. I mean, to be honest, I'm not a frogger, so I still live with my mistakes, but there we are. Whatever, whatever works for you. But it is interesting because I do sometimes do a sort of knitting agony ant at some of the shows and people will yeah. bring me things and say, where did I get go wrong? And that's a really, it's a really interesting thing to be able to, that practice of being able to read knitting and go, ah, why are you went wrong is you change direction halfway through a row. Well, you can do that. Yeah, people do do it. And then, then they've got this weird lump in the middle of their knitting. It's, it's short row shaping without wanting to do short row shaping, basically. Once you sort of show people what to look for, they'll not get, they'll not have that go wrong for them again. Yeah. Oh, the thing I always kind of, it's because I'm so, I'm not, I'm a bit free and easy with my stitch marker placement, is when you're doing a bit of shaping and or it increases or decreases. Normally on increases, I'll tend to do this and you get the increase on the slightly wrong stitch. Ah, so it won't be a perfect straight line. There'll be like a little knobble to one side and it'll be like a little bit zigzaggy. You, you could make it a feature if you could make your zigzags regular then. That is generally what ends up happening. <laughs> like, especially if I'm knitting something that's over like 150 stitches. If I make a mistake like that, then I'm like 70 stitches down the way. I am a bit like, hmm, I've gone too far. I think it's such an individual thing. It's whatever you feel good about and whatever make, makes it best for you. I mean, it's also partly because I've got a wrist problem. So there's a real sense that like every every stitch counts. And if I have yeah. to go back, it's kind of like one less stitch I can do in the future. So I do tend to kind of just whenever I make a, a little error like that, well, it depends if it's on chunky yarn, then I'm going to have to go back. But if it's on like four ply or DK, sometimes I'm like, I can make that into a feature. Yeah. Please tell me you knit in circulars. Yes, I do knit on circulars. Good. It was the, the only way I figured out how I can finish a jumper is knitting on circulars. It makes a big difference to the weight that goes through your wrists and how you balance your needles. So if you've got a wrist problem, I always recommend circulars because it takes some of the stress off. Yeah, I've started knitting with ergonomic needles as well. So, you know, the ones I've got, they're by the Knit Pro and they're the Cubix ones. Oh, the wooden square ones? Well, I've got the wooden square ones, but for socks, I've got the metallic square ones oh i haven't tried the metal square ones i do I think the wooden ones which are very nice mm, they are lovely but i think for the smaller knitting well definitely i think i'm going to switch to using the metal ones because the thing i had concern with i thought the metal would be maybe a bit heavy yeah but they're so sleek i use their zing dpns for small stuff for socks and things like that Mainly because mm. too hard on wood to use wooden finer ones. But they're, yeah, they're really, really smooth. Yeah. And I've sort of really noticed the difference with my wrist because I didn't realise how much pulling I was doing with the stitches, like to pull the stitches off the needles until I used the metal ones. And they just literally, stitches just glide off. Yeah. Well, these ones I have, I have all the, the sock needles in the met, in Knit Pro Metals, the round ones. I don't know what the coating is, but it's just brilliant. They just whiz along. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, and I'm almost back to my pre-wrist problem knitting speed, which was oh. never fast. So I may have a little switch around and sort of experiment using the metallic needles a little bit more, like 
because th- that's but the if I imagine as they get bigger they might get like marginally heavier but I reckon if I kind of go up to maybe a four tops that should yeah. be fine you should be okay with those yeah and it means that I'm now just knitting four ply sorry I'm DK and under for till the end of time or at least until my wrists get better yeah to be honest I'm I'm much more of a fan of the thinner yarns I find my hands get a bit tired knitting chunky yeah well I've gotten into the thinner yarns over the last couple of years like I didn't used to be so much I mean I'd knit myself something in DK because I'm a really small person it didn't take that long ironically socks take me forever because I've got massive feet my my current sock project is a man's sock so that does take a while yeah I'm, yeah my current sock project's also a man's sock and it's just like my husband's got a size 10 feet socks for me are the thing that ride about in my bag so if I'm getting a bus somewhere or I'm waiting for an appointment or something like that my my sock knitting comes out and I get a few rounds in. So socks happen when they happen. Usually a sock project would be that for me, but with the colour work socks, because they're such a tangle. Ah, yeah, that won't really work, will it? I spend much of the time just untangling them. But yeah, so I've really got into thin yarns. Would you like, do you have any specific, do you have like a leaflet or a flyer that I can pop on the wall? And shall we talk about um, timings and stuff? Yeah, I could give you, I've got one of my postcards here and it's... um. I also go by, as well as Brona Muskelly, I go by La Purple Penguin, just because Brona Muskelly is quite hard to spell and people get it wrong. So you can find me on things like Ravelry under La Purple Penguin, which people tend to remember. I have one of my postcards there because that's got all the details on. Yep. And then would you like to do a class using the space with the sofa and the kettle? Yes, very much so. Let me... Let me have a little look, go home and have a little look at my diary for the next while. We can come up with something. Yeah, that'd be great. Then we'll just pop round here. Oh, did you spot the stitch markers and things? Yes, I did. You've got a lovely selection, actually. I like the gemstone ones. Those are pretty. Oh, yes. These are the fancy ones. Every so often I'll go to the Rock and Gem show and pick up some gems. Yes. So these ones are turquoise. Those are pretty, aren't they? Yeah, and you can see I've kind of I kept the I think a stitch napkin. marker should be a bit of jewellery. I completely agree with you. And the then... The clippy ones are very useful, but I do like something with a nice shiny shiny bead or something on it. Well, have you seen these ones? They're potato pearls. Oh, lovely. That's very decadent, isn't it? Well, I kind of got the idea from when I was making my own wedding dress. Oh, yeah, so I knitted the top of my wedding dress and I just thought, like, it's a special project. It needs special stitch markers. Oh, what a lovely idea. I'm going to drop some hints about getting some pearl stitch markers as a present, I think. And then are you fine for everything? You don't need needles or anything? No, my needle collection is quite big. I'm probably OK. So I'll probably be back next week looking for something because weird thing that you end up with all the projects on the same size needles. Yeah. <laughs> I must, I know, because I do quite a bit of DK, think I've got 20 sets or four millimetre needles. Fair and I enough. Go, am I about to run out of needles? When you've got multiple projects and then you're just like, hmm, I only own one set of three millimetre needles and it's on a sleeve island. I don't believe I can only own one set of things, but sometimes it definitely feels like that. I well, I try to, I try desperately to, but then it's that with knitting as well, especially when you're, because it's it's a recent thing for me to jump between projects, and I am learning that hmm, 
sometimes you just want to stop doing something for a bit and do the other thing yeah but you can't necessarily uh take the needles out yeah i'm a big fan of interchangeables for that reason the interchangeable circles because i can then unscrew the tips i need from one project and put them on a new cord and do the other thing and swap back and forth i did used to have so round interchangeables but before I committed to a set, I wanted to try out the cubics, the metallic cubics first. Yes. But I think I will definitely be uh, looking to treat myself. It's always worth it. It's it is really having the needles that feel right in your hand does make such a difference. And it's such a personal thing. I'll just bring all this up for you. And oh, what are the plans for the rest of your day? Well, now I've got those couple of skeins of laceway, I'm getting ideas. So I, I need to go home and draw while I've still got the idea in my head. And then I think I need to do some work on the mini skein patterns. So I'm going to have a nice afternoon with some tea and all my knitting kit around me. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe some binge a box set. Oh, that sounds lovely. Any box sets you've got in mind? Oh, I don't know. I There's a couple of new things come up i'm a bit i'm a bit of a police procedural murder mystery type thing there's law a, and order law and order uh, yeah that sort of thing um i think there's a, a series of how to get away with murder that i haven't watched yet and, uh, i'm sure i can find something like that to keep me going <laughs> i've heard that's a really good one as well it's very twisty and turny which is good mm. okie dokie well, that's everything in the bag for you. Lovely. I've really enjoyed my visit. Thank you. Oh, thank you for coming. It's lovely to see you. We'll be in touch about those knitting courses. Yeah, and I'll pop into Knit and Nutter sometime. Yeah, thank you. All righty then. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Bruna, for coming in today. And thanks to you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please like, follow, rate, subscribe and share. The Wild Yarn Shop was written, produced and hosted by me, Sophie. And you can follow me on Instagram at knitknitwild. Sound effects from freesounds.org with links in the blurb. The awesome theme tune was written and composed by John Fletcher. Thanks, John.